Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Horn, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Hello. And for the first time on the Failed Critics Podcast, Jack Stewart. Hello, thanks for having me. No problem at all. So, why don't you tell us then, as we always get new people to do on the podcast, a bit about yourself and your history with film or what kind of films you like. Uh, okay, um, good question. Yeah, so I only started watching films about five years ago, um, and in that time I've watched God knows how many. Um, I've, I've really went sort of hardcore at it, catching up with all the classics. Um, what I'm into, I, I'm kind of varied. I think I tend to rub people up the wrong way about a lot of my opinions, so um, we might get a bit of that later. In fact, I'm pretty sure we will when we get to talking about Chappie. Um <laughs> So yeah, that's yeah. that's me in a nutshell, I suppose. And uh, where are you from then, Jack? Because you've got your own podcast. And you, this is your chance now to plug oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah, yeah, I should be plugging it. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that's, that's a bit past. of an oversight. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do a podcast called Not This Again. Um, it's, it's kind of a chat show. Uh, me and my mate Chris do it. Um, you can find that at notthisagain.co.uk. Uh, it's sort of like the the second best podcast on the internet, I say. But just find this one. Yeah, that seems a bit right. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think so. Excellent. Um, so yeah, we'll look forward to hearing your your views on film a bit later on. Um, but for now, we're going to go into the quiz where I'm losing one nil as Owen's looking to take revenge on me for making him watch Kill Keith. Yeah, and the odds are in my favour this week with two people versus you. This it's, is getting close. It really is. Like I've said many times before like blockbusters where it's unfair and two people are playing one person. And someone has to dance. Who's doing the dancing? Me. Do it. <laughs> on a podcast, an audio podcast, yeah. Yeah, that, it's, it didn't it, work. Yeah, visual Sorry. effects are really wasted on an audio podcast. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. Yes, so, Owen, read out some, some films this man was in, or woman. I will. Um, I'm going to try and stick to a sort of ish kind of chronological order. Um, but I might zoom through some. I won't go sort of film after film after film because I've been in absolutely loads. But in 1965, they were in Guns of Diablo. And I'd be very surprised if any of you get it from that. Never heard of it. No. Pillars no. Guns of Diablo. It's, I don't know, it sounds like a western from the 1960s, it's got to be. Um, okay, so, moving on a bit then. 
that uh, this is 1972. They were in a film called No You See Him, No You Don't. Uh, again, I'd be surprised if anyone got it from that. No. Anyone going to have a, a punt? No. Nope. No. Okay. So this is where it's probably just about going to start getting a little bit easier. It's quite a famous role for this guy. Uh, in 1979, he was in a... It was a TV movie called Elvis, where... This is a massive clue. He played Elvis. Jeez. Yeah? Well, Elvis himself, is it? Because yeah. he, did, he did acting, as well as singing. <laughs> I don't know if he ever did any biopics of his own life where he played himself. Uh, better be better than any guess anyone else has had so far. That's, that's, that's true, I suppose, yeah. yeah. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Lawn, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Andrew Brooker. Hello. And for the first time on the Failed Critics Podcast, Jack Stewart. Hello, thanks for having me. No problem at all. So, why don't you tell us then, as we always get new people to do on the podcast, a bit about yourself and your history with film or what kind of films you like. Uh, okay, um... Good question. Yeah, so I only started watching films about five years ago, um, and in that time I've watched God knows how many. Um, I've, I've really went sort of hardcore at it, catching up with all the classics. Um, what I'm into, I, I'm kind of varied. I think I tend to rub people up the wrong way about a lot of my opinions, so um, we might get a bit of that later. In fact, I'm pretty sure we will when we get to talking about Chappie. Um <laughs> So yeah, that's yeah. that's me in a nutshell, I suppose. And uh, where are you from then, Jack? Because you've got your own podcast. You, this is your chance now to. Oh yeah, you See, I should be plugging it. Yeah, completely. Yeah, that's that's a bit of an oversight. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do a podcast called Not This Again. Um, it's a kind of a chat show. Uh, me and my mate Chris do it. Um, you can find that at notthisagain.co.uk. Uh, it's sort of like the the second best podcast on the internet, I say. But just find this one. Yeah, that seems a bit right. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think so. Excellent. Um, so yeah, we'll look forward to hearing your your views on film a bit later on. Um, but for now, we're going to go into the quiz where I'm losing one nil as Owen's looking to take revenge on me for making him watch Kill Keith. Yeah, and the odds are in my favour this week with two people versus you. This it's, is it's getting close. It really is. Like I've said many times before like blockbusters where it's unfair and two people are playing one person. And someone has to dance. Who's doing the dancing? Me. Do it. On a podcast, an audio podcast, yeah. Yeah. That, it's, it doesn't work. Yeah. Visual Sorry. effects are really wasted on an audio podcast. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. Yes. So, Owen, read out some, some films this man was in, or woman. I will. Um, I'm going to try and stick to a sort of ish kind of chronological order. Um, 
but I might zoom through some. I won't go sort of film after film after film because they've been in absolutely loads. But in 1965, they were in Guns of Diablo. And I'd be very surprised if any of you get it from that. Never heard of it. No. no. Hell is Guns of Diablo. It's, I don't know, it sounds like a Western from the 1960s. It's got to be. Um, okay, so moving on a bit then. This is 1972. They were in a film called No You See Him, No You Don't. Uh, again, I'd be surprised if anyone got it from that. No. Anyone going to have a, a punt? No. Nope. No. Okay. So this is where it's probably just about going to start getting a little bit easier. It's quite a famous role for this guy. Uh, in 1979... He was in a. It was a TV movie called Elvis, where this is a massive clue. He played Elvis. Steve. Yeah. Well, Elvis himself is it? Because he did. He did acting as well as singing. <laughs> I don't know if he ever did any biopics of his own life where he played himself. Uh, better, better than any guess anyone else had so far. That's 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 true. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Flawless okay. logic. Yeah. Uh, in 1981, they were in The Fox and the Hound. That Copper. Yeah. Kurt Russell. It's Kurt Russell. Yeah. Yeah, well done. So you're 2-0 down now, Steve. Do you know what? I'm not even bothered because you won't find a film as bad as Kill Keith. It's impossible. going to do my damnedest to try. It's impossible. I've seen The Fox and the Hound. It ain't that good. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you seen Kill Keith? No. <laughs> have, you, have you heard of Kill Keith? Not until last week. <laughs> Can you imagine any film that could possibly be worse than that? No, I'm not sure I could. I've seen it, and I like voluntarily watched it as well. Oh, no. Why did I, you do that? I don't know. Just <laughs> yeah, It's just one of those things. I just saw years of films, and it's... And... I know, you'd, you'd think I'd just catch up with the classics, but yeah, um, yeah I, I let that one slip by. It, did your views of that reflect Owen's views of that? Yeah, pretty much exactly, yeah. It, was, it wasn't great, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, understatement. Wasn't great. No. Uh, See, I, thought, I, thought it did, I thought it might have a little bit of charm, because it, you know, just just the name of it. I mean, the cover's great. Yeah. But, um, yeah, just what, yeah, one of the worst, really. <laughs> uh, right, on to the news then. And... Um, Owen, you've managed to dig out some film news for us this week, didn't you? Yeah, well, it's been a bit quiet this week. Um, well, I say it's been a bit quiet. I mean, there's lots of, like, Twitter film news that goes around, but it's stuff I'm not too interested in. And we can talk about it, because you guys might be, or people listening might be. But stuff like the Avengers trailer has come out, and that was quite a big deal on Twitter. Well, it's, it's just a trailer, though. It doesn't really tell... Like the third trailer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. It's, all it's got in it that's a bit new is there's a bit of the vision at the end, but everyone knew he's going to be in it anyway, so it's just like, yeah, yeah. What's, the, what's the big deal? Well, I saw, the, I, I saw the trailer um, in the cinema this week. That was the first time I've seen the trailer in the cinema. Yeah. And I don't know how you guys feel about comic book films in general. Um, well, I kind of know a little bit about how Steve feels about it, but I, I'm just not too excited about Age of Ultron. 
It seems to be, as it's getting closer, I thought I'd be a bit more excited about it than I am. And I hope I'm wrong, because I really enjoyed the first Avengers film. Um, I, admit, seem... I think I'm... Sorry, go on, mate. There doesn't seem to be as much hype about this one. Mm. It all, all seems to be about what Marvel are doing further down the line, rather than what Marvel, you know, what's coming out in a month, month or so. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. I don't know if it'll live up to the first one. It's got a pretty high bar that's been set, but I think it'll be it'll be good if if not great in in terms of comic book films, not in terms of films in general, but in terms of of comic book movies, it'll it'll be good possibly great and um yeah it'll keep marvel plodding along nicely but i just don't think the hype machine has quite been what it was for for the first avengers films or other marvel films do you think people are just starting to get a little bit fatigued with these uh, superhero films now not really because every time any anyone especially with marvel stuff i mean i think people are just fed up with dc movies because they seem to fuck up everything they do at the moment but every time something happens with Marvel it's such a big reaction like Spider-Man being announced is going to be in uh, Civil War uh, mm. and, when, and when Marvel announced like this is our plan for the next four years or five years or whatever it is and this is all the names of the films we're going to release this is the the new characters that are going to have to be filmed everyone's going mad about it so I, I don't think the kind of enthusiasm for these kind of films has died down um Maybe they just don't feel like they need to hype it as much. So it's just like well, everyone's going to see an Avengers film anyway. So I don't re- we don't really need to waste our budget on advertising it so much and hyping it up so much. But I do think though there are some people now who are getting to the point where, I mean, I don't personally subscribe to the opinion myself, but I know there are people who think that the market, you know, saturated with comic book films and oh, why don't they make any other kind of you know, original sci-fi, which is ironic because we're going to be talking about Chappie later anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'm i not personally um, feeling that fatigue myself, but like, you know, Steve's just pointed out, the hype isn't really there anymore. It's just like, they've announced what films are going to be released and when, and it's just like now a process of getting to the next one. It's like watching a TV series and it's the next episode rather than a brand new season, you know? Yeah, do you, do you think? So I think I'm kind of feeling the burnout a bit, but I'm sick of hearing about comic book movies. Mm. And, and when you see, because there's a there's a picture floating about, and there's a, with the timetable of all the Marvel films, all the DC films, and all the ones in between that are all coming out over the next couple of years. And I looked at it and just thought, well, are there going to be space for any other films? <laughs> Am I going to be out of fit an actual proper filming around any of these movies? Yeah, and don't get me well. wrong, they, they're great fun, and I, I couldn't care two shits about Star Wars. Oh god! No. <laughs> another Owen, another misery. Count me no, in as well. I, I think yeah, it's three against one now. Three against one. Oh, well, I, I, I could maybe get behind Star Wars if that fucking awful prequel trilogy thing wasn't a thing <laughs> if, if it didn't exist I might get a bit excited about it but I saw how badly they fucked up Star Wars already uh, I'm not Disney, interested though, Disney have been have been on a roll really haven't they I mean I've, the Muppets I've, they took over and have done really well um, Marvel hmm. they've done really well I, I think it's safe hands I've got I've got faith big... I've got faith in this Star Wars film I think it's going to be it's going to be good it's not going to be a slap in the face 
I don't think it'll be a slap in the face. It'll probably be a decent movie to watch, but I don't think it's going to live up to anyone's expectations. And Disney are doing the same with that as they're doing with Marvel. Like the release schedule they've got for Star Wars and its many and varied spin-offs. So there's going to be something every year for it. Hmm. You're going to burn out so quick. I just I can't be asked. Just wait till just wait till the Marvel uh, and Star Wars universe merge. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm calling it now. It'll happen. <laughs> you might get some crossover. I don't think they'll do a full on merge. <laughs> Yeah, there'll be, there'll be some crossover which everyone will say works well, the same continuity now it's one and the same universe so uh, Han Solo could turn up and, in the Avengers and that's what will happen I'm telling you well, well. So if, if it turns out that it's actually good I will gladly come back and eat my words I and, just don't if, think it's going to happen and if that happens um, I'm sure that somebody has listened to this podcast on juice and money <laughs> I will uh, yeah I will gladly if anyone wants to come up with a decent punishment for me if it turns out to actually be a decent set of films I'll happily take it I just don't think it's going to happen well I, I know a certain film that you could watch as punishment I'd still rather watch that than the Star Wars prequel <laughs> yeah maybe you're right hmm. um, and didn't you also find out Owen it looks like there's going to be a live action version of Dumbo created. Yes, by none other than Tim Burton. Yeah. So, so which role is Johnny Depp playing? All of them. It's going to be fucking Norbit with Johnny Depp. And then the bottom Carter won't bring it open. Each character as well. Right. The, yeah. the problem. The problem that I that I can't think is a live action version of Dumbo. In Dumbo, an elephant flies. Um, <laughs> Well, I don't think they're going to get real live elephants. Well, it's not live action, life. then, is it? I don't know, man. That could be some <laughs> fucking awesome wire work, really, couldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Get a little mouse in a costume, make him dance and drink booze. Yeah, why not? That's it's... what they do for all of Johnny Depp's roles. Yeah. I imagine when we say live action, Steve, we're talking, like, Jurassic Park, dinosaurs, live action. Well, I mean, obviously, but... I was just taking the mick out of an obviously awful idea for a film. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's, it, is, it is an awful idea, isn't it? And nobody's asking for this. Nobody wants this. It, nobody it's wants another Tim Burton film, full stop. No. Yeah, let alone it. let us ruin a, a childhood classic. It's just... I mm. just wish he was dead. <laughs> okay idea. Giving it to Tim Burton's what makes it a bad idea. Is, is Dumbo even popular enough, like demand a remake live action or otherwise um well i did watch that film quite recently and you know the pink elephants on parade bit is brilliant the rest of the film not so much and i don't know how they're going to remake one bit of it because it's got quite sort of racist crows in it it really has hmm <laughs> so hmm oh, that's, that's going to be quite yeah yeah, so... It's like remaking Songs of the South, it just, you can't do it. Yeah, precisely. It's just not going to... I don't I don't know. I don't think any of his films work um, post-Ed sort of Wood. So, yeah, I don't know how this is going to fit in. It's just going to be another completely Tim Burton-esque style dominating any substance or lack thereof, and it's just 
going to be really boring, a bit quirky, and just mostly shit. <laughs> and mostly Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. Dress as an elephant. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> there is a little... Before we do move on, because I can see we're struggling to, to fill it, the news section, there's just one thing I want to mention. We're on... This episode is actually our 147th episode of the podcast. And we're coming up to a very sort of special episode for us, which is the 150th. Um, we're actually going to celebrate our 159th, because for anyone who was listening back then, our 100th episode was lost by a certain Mr. Diamond. He deleted the recording or it got screwed and we had, me, Steve and James had to re-record it. So technically, our 149th is our 150th episode and we've got a very special treat for people. We've um, a musical treat from an actual proper professional musician who's contributed to this podcast, this 150th episode. Um, with the remix, it's James Yule, and honestly, I have I've barely stopped listening to it on repeat since I first heard it. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. It's, I'm just I can't. Uh, Steve, you've listened to it. What did you think of it? It's better than the shite we got now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Better, the, better the, than the, the James that James made us stick with relentlessly. <laughs> um, I kind of like our theme music, but the new one is it just loads better. I hate it, and James knew my feelings on that theme music <laughs> for a long time. I hated it. I hate it. It's just boring and yeah. weird, and yeah. Well, uh, you've only had to pull up with it for 150 episodes, so there you go. Yeah. What's that? About 200 hours, probably more. Yeah, this is this is a bit like when they updated like the casualty theme tune to make it a bit more jazzy and modern. No, it's nothing like that, because that ruined the casualty theme. That was a classic. Yeah, I was trying to think of somebody else that kept the same theme tune, but just slapped a bit of funk on it. <laughs> the Bill. Yeah, the Bill. That's, that's, the bill. Yeah, that's a, that's a better one, The Bill. But we've made ours better, not like The Bill or Casualty. Exactly. Yeah. As is about 150 times better. Yeah. Um, I, think that's all, <laughs> I think that's about all for any news uh, this week. Um, so we'll hopefully have something... Uh, for you next week if something actually happens in the world of cinema other than Tim Burton remaking something that we all liked from our childhood um, up next we have got what we've been watching time then for what we've been watching where we take a look at some of the films that we've seen in the last seven days that weren't necessarily new releases uh, Jack, as you're new on the podcast, you can start us off in this section. Okay. Um, the only film I've watched this week was, uh, other than Chappie, is uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, but I think we've we've discussed that enough on this podcast. Can I just ask why you saw it? Uh, I don't really know. I just <laughs> okay. I, I thought let's just let's just go for it. I mean, I, I read a little bit of the book, and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. So I don't know why I did. <laughs> Uh, and the, the film is nowhere near as bad, but it's it's just dull. There's mm. there's nothing to it really. Um, didn't really get me aroused, it, and that's the most important thing. And it, yeah. it just but, failed to do that. So, but is it is it meant to get you aroused, or is it meant to get women aroused? Oh yeah, it's meant to get women aroused. I but I there were I still if... boobs in it, so mm. you know. 
Yeah, because there's a lot of female nudity and not so much yeah. male nudity. Yeah. Which is just like they've not really understood the target audience for that one. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, I mean, that, that's it. it. There was boobs in it and it was still dull. So you, you've really gone wrong somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but other than that, I have been... Uh, it's TV, so I'm cheating a little bit, but I've been re-watching Generation Kill, um, which is a, a... I think it's a 2008 um, war miniseries from David Simon, who created The Wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, stars Alexander Skarsgård, and it's set during the uh, the Iraq... Um, I nearly said the Iraq war, but we'll, we'll go with the Iraq invasion. Yeah. Um, it's... I, I just love it. Um, this is the second time watching it, and it's just so in-depth. It's so realistic. And that is what I love about it most, the realism. It, um, it just sort of throws you in. It, you, it loses, sorry, it uses a lot of uh, military jargon. It doesn't explain anything. You just have to sort of pick it up and figure out what's going on for yourself. Um, and it just shows as much of the, the tedium of war, you know, when the soldiers mm. are just sitting around doing nothing, they're bored, they're arguing about the, the equipment that they haven't received that they need for like their night goggles and stuff like that. Um, it shows as much of that sort of side as it does the fighting, which is something you just don't tend to get in war films or TV series. It's normally just sort of bang, bang, bang. That guy's dead. Oh, no, here we go. Well, let's go off again and kill some more people. But this is it just shows so much what it would be like to be an actual soldier. Uh, I mean, you don't get soldiers getting excited over a Pizza Hut delivery in the thin red line. <laughs> it, it just is so... I don't know. It's just it's just really really in depth, um, and uh, you know it, it shows the brutality of war just as much as any of the other war films do. But you just get such a sense of all the characters in there, and they're they're not cliches. A lot of war films you'll get, you know, your typical sergeant or whatever, and it just it you don't get that here. They're all fully rounded characters. They're all amazingly played, and if you've seen The Wire, you'll sort of know what you're getting. It's it's a very similar sort of structure. Uh, you get a lot of a lot of people higher up making bad decisions and seeing the the effects of that filter through down to the the guys at the bottom. Uh, so yeah, um, Andrew, you've seen Generation Kill as well, haven't you? I have. Uh, a couple of years ago it was my second or third watch of it. I, it's absolutely amazing. It's based on a very very good book as well. Mm. Yeah, I haven't, I've I've had that on my shelf for years and haven't got around to it yet. But <laughs> even though I love the show, I just I just haven't done it. It's 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 a it's a hard, it's a bit like the show. It's it's quite a hard, quite hard going because it's not all action and not all you know mm. an explosion every fifteen minutes. It's a lot of talking about nothing going on. Yeah, but it's very very good, and I I thought the TV show was absolutely amazing. And actually, because we were talking about this yesterday, weren't we? And I I've kind of I've pulled it down from upstairs now. It's sat by my TV waiting for me to binge it again because <laughs> it's it's been a little while and it's definitely in need of being watched again. It's quite short as well, isn't it? Is there, any, is, it's, is there eight episodes or something like it's that? It's seven episodes, and I think seven. it's around 450 minutes, somewhere in that, that region. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's not a huge commitment. It's, it's sort of like the length of Das Boot or something. And I'd, actually, I'd say it's quite similar to Das Boot. It's, it's more about the characters and what they're going through than it is just war in general. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have seen it, but it was a few years ago, so I didn't really want to comment too much. But I do remember really enjoying it. And it was a, in a period when I was really into David Simon stuff like, you know, The Wire, obviously, and The Corner. Mm-hmm. And Treme came out, I think, a couple of years after after Generation Kill. And I really enjoyed that as well. So, yeah, I really like David Simon. He's brilliant at capturing a, a convincingly... It, it almost looks like it's a real portrayal of actual life. 
Um, even though it's stuff I've obviously got no sort of personal experience with, but it's just like it lo- it convinces me that that's exactly how being at war would probably be like for these soldiers. That's that's it, and it it could be completely different to what being at war is mm. like. But yeah, he's just he tells it so convincingly. Yeah, the acting so good, the script is just. The best, really. I, I can't really follow his scripts in any way. Um, I mean, I think The Wire is the best thing that's ever been on TV, and possibly film as well. Uh, oh, so yeah. that's quite important. Uh, <laughs> go on. Probably the best on TV. I'd agree with that. I don't think there's been a better TV show than The Wire. The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah see, that's the big argument, isn't it? <laughs> but... Oh, but I, 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 very, I very much sit there and go, it, it all actually, because it all comes out of one of the greatest TV production companies mm. going. Generation Kills the same, isn't it? Because it's all HBO, that, yeah. The Wire, Sopranos. Yeah. They all, and they know how to make amazing TV. Yeah, yeah. they really do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I have seen a film this week that was uh, would have been a new release last week, should any of us have gone to see it. I was unfortunate enough to go and see it uh, this week, and that is called The Boy Next Door. Now, there are some benefits of having a girlfriend when it comes to cinema. Sometimes you get to go and see films like Cake with Jennifer Aniston that I saw a few weeks ago. Uh, It's a film I probably wouldn't have gone to see if I hadn't been taken along by a lady friend to see it, but enjoyed it a lot and was very impressed with it. There's sometimes, though, when you get to drag to see utter, utter tripe. (laughs) <laughs> and this this was it. So Jennifer Lopez is a, um, a divorcee who moves next door to a handsome young teenage chap uh, who is um, who ends up sleeping with her and then becomes obsessed with her and goes a bit mad. And it's all by the books and very predictable and very boring and plods along and no one in it can act very well. Uh, Jennifer Lopez should stick to singing. Um, I don't know what she's like as a singer, but she's probably better than she is an actress. Uh, I've never heard of anyone else who's in it, but they ain't very good. It's just a waste of everyone's time. Like they don't even try and do anything new. It's just a, it's just a by the books film of a same you know guy gets obsessed with woman, uh, guy goes a bit mental. Uh, they have like a showdown of types, and people get hurt, and the woman comes out fine in the end. It's predictable, and sometimes even being predictable in films isn't a bad thing because you can have a predictable film that's good. This isn't that. And it doesn't try to do anything new with the, the type of film either. It's just. I, I had avoided this one. I've heard it described as one of the worst films in years, which I thought would probably be a bit harsh, but it sounds like actually then, Steve, not far off. No, it's. Uh, it's it's not harsh. It's accurate. Um, it was uh, it was a 15 film. Apparently, it's an 18 rated version. I don't think I'm going to be waiting for the director's cut or the <laughs> the 18 version to come out. Um, I think you can just uh, kind of tell how bad a film it is when you find out that that J Lo, I think that's what she'd like us to call her. Um, she probably not, doesn't care, Steve. Was, was just not call her whatever you like. Was was nominated for an MTV Movie Award for. Best scared as shit performance for this. For, for, yeah, for that film, uh, MTV Movie Awards for 2015, best scared as shit performance. 
Now, I think you could take out three words from that title and, and give her a justified <laughs> nomination for, for anything. Any, yeah. Uh, don't go and see it, please. Uh, Andrew, what have you seen? I, I, I've seen the cinema listing for The Boy Next Door. <laughs> I, seriously, I, when I was looking for films to go see for last week's podcast, I saw the thing for Boy Next Door and went, oh, maybe I need to watch that. And literally, I read the words... Erotic thriller starring Jennifer Lopez, and decided I'd rather have someone piss in my eyes. It's like what? It's, it's like a bad yet big budget version of those films that you used to get on Channel Five when Channel Five first started, like at eleven o'clock at night. God, sign me up. <laughs> but starring Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, yeah, that just makes it more convincing, really. I'd, I'd rather watch the Channel Five stuff or the movies for men. Yes, just, I know the channel they're on. Just just put Babe Station on and it'll be fine. <laughs> you only need the 10-minute preview any more than that and you're wasting your time. Yeah. Or money. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously, though, how do those, in this day and age, how do those channels exist? Like, who's paying for them? Is it, this is a genuine People question. without the internet. But but if you've got a sky sky phone you know sky stuff in your house you've probably got the internet as well. Like who is actually paying for them? There can't be enough people around paying for like more than one of those channels to exist. Well, but Steve, you did go to see an erotic thriller um, <laughs> yeah. with Jennifer Lopez, and you did buy, buy those tickets. So well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I just can't fathom it. How like if it was just one like of those channels. Like just one, taking all the money that people are paying for for that kind of thing, I can understand it. But there's there's more than one. I don't understand how it works, like how how people are going for it, how it's how it's making money. But that's that's a discussion for for. Our, I, I admit, our... I've not put that much thought into it. <laughs> yeah. So well, what is this? What this podcast has turned into now? The other week we had Matt and Paul just randomly shouting out porn websites. This week we're promoting Babe Station. And erotic thrillers with Jennifer Lopez and Channel Five movies. What's next week? I feel um, you're missing ad revenue somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'm reviewing the box set of Red Shoe Diaries with Dave <laughs> McCovney. Excellent. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, Andrew, what have you seen this week? I've I've kind of cheated as well because I've I've done two trips to the cinema this week to catch up with the new releases. So I've been my film watching has been kind of null at home. So what I've been doing is catching up with uh, Vikings on Amazon Prime. I'm actually, I know we're near the new season, but I'm catching up with season two. And it's absolutely really worth watching. I kind of thought it was like a PG-13 Game of Thrones when I started watching it last year. Mm-hmm. And it's improved a lot since then. After the first couple of episodes, they upped their budget. And it's turned into a really decent show about Vikings. You, need, you don't need to know anything else other than that. Yeah, I'd about seen Vikings. it and thought it looked a bit cheap Vikings and avoided it. Yeah. I kind of did as well. I, I think I saw an advert when it finally started airing on the History Channel over here. I went, mm. well, actually, that looks all right. And I had a weekend where we were doing nothing, so we watched a couple of episodes. And it's worth, definitely worth a bit of your time to have a watch of. I really, really liked it. And I'm now I'm struggling to force my way and get done with season two so I can crack on and get caught up with season three because I want to see how it ends. 
Mm. It's really worth spending your time with. Cool. Um, and Owen, what have you, have you watched? I watched um, the ABCs of Death 2 on US Netflix this week because I'm one of those people who quite enjoyed the first one and films like, you know, VHS and those sort of uh, portmanteau horrors. Um, that's basically what ABCs of Death, the series is. It's just 26 short horror films by 26 different film directors, filmmakers, and each like segment is ascribed a letter from the alphabet. And then they make a title from the letter. Um, like, for example, one of the big-name directors... I say big name. This is like the standard of the level of director they they get onto these sort of um, projects. Um, B is for Badger in this film, and that's directed by Julian Barrett of the Mighty Boosh fame. Um, that's kind of level we're at here. Last the last ABCs of Death. Did any of you watch them? Yes. You... No. Steve, sounds like something you might have given a chance at some point. Sorry. Have you seen ABCs of Death? Yes, I did see. I, I think I didn't watch all of it. Um, I, I liked parts and didn't like, but I didn't like more than I did like. Okay, Brooker, what did you think of it? Oh, they were stupid fun, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were kind of really. Most of them were, were, looked very cheap and were. Um, they sort of didn't really know exactly what they were doing. I don't think, but I kind of enjoyed the first one. It was a bit inconsistent, as these things tend to be, but. I thought it was all right. So I kind of went into this one a little bit um, optimistic. I thought maybe they'll do what the first one did, but better. They'll know a little bit more about how the format works this time, and they'll be able to link the films a bit better. But uh, it doesn't quite work as well. Also, the, the like level of director they've got back this time is a little bit below the kind of people they had the first time around. So like previously, they had... Um, People like Ben Wheatley, you know, of Kill List and A Field in England fame, and people like Ty West, who made House of the Devil and The Sacrament and so on, um, as well as people like Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard, who were responsible for Your Next and uh, The Guest last year as well. So that's kind of like who they had previously. This time, like say, they had Julian Barrett. They also had two Israeli directors called um, Aaron Kashales and Navat. Papashado, I think that's how you pronounce the name, who made quite um, a successful indie film a year ago, I think, or two, a year or two ago, uh, called Big Bad Wolves. That went down really well at Fright Fest. Um, and, but also the biggest names they've got back this time are the Soska twins, Jen and Sylvia Soska, who uh, obviously did films like uh, American Mary, which I thought was very good. Oh, I love them too. I'm a massive, massive Soska sisters fan. Okay, yeah, excellent. They do a section on this called Tears for Torture Porn which sort of sounds exactly like a film they would make. Yeah, I d um, I'm yet to see ABCs of Death 2. It's, it's sitting, I'm waiting to watch it. I just haven't found the time. And, well, to be honest, I haven't found the time when the kid ain't around and, <laughs> and the missus ain't going to sit there going, oh, that's gross. Yeah, no, they, they are definitely 18-rated shorts, these yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they've got perhaps the standard of directors not quite as high as um, the previous entry to to the franchise but it's still you know it's still quite interesting they've got some some decentish names in there involved um i'm not going to talk about every single short film i'm just going to pick out a few that i think are my favorites and a few which are my least favorites one of them is called g is for granddad 
It's by directed by it's directed by a British guy called Jim Hosking, um, which is about this kind of stuck up, arrogant, obnoxious, long haired teenager who's living in his granddad's house and then finds out that his granddad has been sort of living underneath his bed. And it goes a bit weird and they have a bit of a fight and it's just the, one of the most bizarre stories there. Not in terms of like, there were some which, they've got a few Japanese directors involved, for example, and we all know what kind of crazy sort of shit that they come up with some, from time to time. It's not as like out there with tentacles and, you know, penises stabbing people in the face or anything like that. It's just that it's just really creepy and weird. Oh, no, I'm not watching it. Yeah, they do have a penis stab someone in the face. I'll just put that out there in one of the shorts. That's why it came to mind. Um, Sold. There you go. So you can you can rest assured that you'll see a penis stab someone. A giant penis stab a woman in the face. <coughs> so there's that. But also, um, another good short is one called L is for Legacy, which is directed by this guy called Lancelot Odewa Imaswen. I'm going to stick with that. Um... I don't really know how to describe it. Have you ever heard of the phrase Nollywood? Which no. refers to yeah. Nigerian... Yeah. ...really low-budget films. Yes. It's a bit like that, and I don't mean that in a sort of patronising or, um, you know, to, to slag it off kind of way. It's just, it's really weird. And there's a guy who's... It's a bit like this uh, human sacrifice as well. There's these two tribes. And then there's this demon creature, which is clearly just some guy with, like, mud on him and feathers and a weird papier-mâché mask. And it just looks fucking... Yeah, you've got to see that one. That's one of my favourites, just because of how shit it looks. Um, But also there's another one, which is um, Emmys for Masticate which is directed by a guy called Robert Buchek. And, um, yeah, it's another one that's also a bit odd, uh, because it's it's like a music video to start with. There's this guy who's... It's all in slow motion, and you know the uh, video to Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve? And there's yeah. a guy just walking down the street, bumping into people. It's like that, but he is literally just legging it down the street bumping into different folk and then eating them and biting them. And he's just this rabid cannibal guy. And eventually at the end, he's shot by the police. And then there's just like a clip at the end. Because the, the, the thing about the ABCs of death is not all of them are meant to be scary. Some of them try to be very seriously scary or very seriously tense. And it's very difficult when you've got a short film that's about, you know, three or four minutes in length. So some of them add humour to it. And Emmys for Masticate has one of the... It's just, it's, I thought it was trying to be quite serious or trying to be even a little bit satirical about something, about a guy running down a high street and consuming people around him. But it's not. It's revealed, actually, all he did was, like, there's a clip at the end which just goes, and, you know, 34 minutes earlier, he says, dude, are you going to snort these bath salts? And he goes, hell yeah. And then that's it. So <laughs> it's just really stupid. Like we said, the first, the first films were stupid, but kind of funny. Um... And my final sort of favourite segment is one of the, the Japanese ones. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce this word because I'm not very well read. But O is for Oclocracy, I think you think. I think that's pronounced Oclocracy, but Mobral, basically. Uh, and it's a Japanese one, as I say. It's about this woman 
who's been running around with her daughter killing zombies, but now they found a cure for zombie the zombie disease, and now the people who were zombies are sentencing people who killed zombies in a courtroom. So this woman's trying to defend herself for killing zombies in a zombie outbreak. And I kind of love the little twist on it, and it, it's a bit, it, it's probably the most unique of all of the, the short films, and um, it's done very well. What isn't done very well is one called P is for P-P-P-P-P-Scary, which is directed by a guy called, guy called Todd Rohal which is um, a bit like a David Lynch film, actually. It's, an, it's meant to be... From the, well, the Wikipedia description is an homage to black and white comedy in which three prisoners encounter a strange man and a baby. And it's all meant to be like a dream, and they try to make it look a bit creepy and it, a bit sort of trippy. Um, and if it's meant to be a comedy, it just doesn't work. It's just not funny. And, yeah, I didn't enjoy that one. At all, and I, the, the, what annoyed me, I thought I recognised one of the guys in it, and then it turns out it wasn't him. So that made me doubly angry with it because I thought I'd spotted like this indie little British actor, and then it wasn't him at all. So I was a bit personally annoyed. Uh, not obviously comment on the quality of the film that one, but <laughs> R is for Roulette as well, directed by Marvin Crane, um, which is about these German people, I think, playing Russian roulette in a basement. And it's just so absolutely generic and boring and pointless and just n- does not deserve to be in a film like this. There's nothing original about it. There's nothing um, scary, nothing tense. There's, n- there's no humour in it. It's just people playing Russian roulette in the basement. It just seems like no thought or care has gone into it at all. So I didn't enjoy that one. And it's not the kind of film I want to see in the ABCs of death. But, yeah. So, I mean, overall... I think it had a more positive reception than the first ABCs of Death. But, um, you know, it's, it's the same with all of these films. Like I said, VHS, or whether it's something like Tales from the Crypt or Creepshow, all these sort of anthology horrors, they are always inconsistent. You always have favourites and you always have least favourites. Um, so what I don't want to say is don't watch it because there are ones on there that are crap. But I don't want to say... Watch it because there are some that are absolutely brilliant. There are going to be some that you'll like and some that you won't. So you've just got to, you know, pace yourself for it. Get ready because there are crap ones and there are good ones. Okay. Uh, I think that brings an end to uh, what we've been watching for this week. Up next, we've got some reviews of a couple of new releases for you, uh, both Chappie and Still Alice. In the final part of this week's Felcrunch podcast, we'll be looking at Still Alice and Chappie, both new releases to UK cinema this week. Uh, Andrew, you've seen Still Alice, haven't you? I have. Uh, so why don't you tell us about that one? Okay, so Still Alice is uh, it's a film about a woman who has early onset Alzheimer's disease. And it, it kind of depicts her very her very quick kind of failing mental state and how her and her family deal with it it's it started with as pretty much everybody will know now it's starring Julianne Moore who won an Oscar for her performance in it and much deserved as well she was amazing in this film uh, so it's her and her family who consist of Alec Baldwin as her husband Kristen Stewart you know a couple of others who and, and they just 
it's a really decent look at how the whole family is affected and how they act around her knowing that she's got this disease. It's it's a really, really kind of sad film to watch. Like, there is not one person who went to see that film who didn't come out you know, wanting to hang themselves. It was just so depressing. <laughs> but it was really, really good. Everybody has to see this film just to see... Because Julianne Moore, every, you know, Paul previously on the podcast has said before how good Julianne Moore is in like, Maps to the Stars, and I agree completely. Uh, but she absolutely needed an Oscar sometime, and she really, really deserves it for for Still Alice. But was the would you think the film would have been as enjoyable for well, perhaps enjoyable is the wrong word, but do you think it would have you would have found it as good if anyone other than Julianne Moore was in it? Because I mean, what I'm, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is is the film actually really good? The or film is, is just Julianne Moore is really good. It's I, I have read a lot of people have said you know it would be crap if Julianne Moore wasn't in it. I don't think that's quite true. It wouldn't be the same film. Uh, it you know it wouldn't. I don't think it would have been quite as affecting, but it would have been very good nonetheless. Yeah. But Julianne Moore is excellent, and actually I, I I think I wrote in the review for the site as well. I really I was really impressed by Kristen Stewart and how well she done in it. Because she's just this mopey teen, and she's been a mopey teen as many times as she's been on my TV. <laughs> and the the problem is, she's a mopey teen in the film. So it was basically she could have just turned up, done a bit, and left. But she put in a real solid effort, and it's it's one of a couple of films that she's she was in last year that I'm waiting. For, well, I've seen this one. I'm waiting to see Camp X-Ray to see how that turns out as well. But I think it might be the start of something decent for her. I I think without Julianne Moore, it wouldn't be quite as good, but it would still be worth watching. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, and that one obviously caused some controversy because it was nominated for a BAFTA, even though it hadn't been released in time. And mm. they snuck that one in there. It's worth noting that I, I was doing some reading after I'd seen the film. I was just doing some reading up on it after I'd done my review. And it turns out I had no idea. One of the directors actually has motor neurone disease, ALS. Oh, right, okay. And directed the entire film using text-to-speech on his iPad. Okay. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, obviously, it's, it's co-directed. There are two people that, that directed the film. But yeah, I had no idea that one of them was you know, directed solely using a text-to-speech app on his iPad. I, w- I was quite taken aback to read that. Was... Well, do you know anything else the director's done before, then? I'm just I don't. Trying... I, I did do some looking up on it. I don't recognise anything they've okay. done. Okay, right. Okay. And now time, then, for a review of Chaffee, seen by uh, everyone else here bar me and starring Hugh Jackman, Dev Patel, and a robot. Yes. Um, well, Shalto Copley playing a robot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to describe it for you, Steve? Because I know you've yes. not seen it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's directed by Neil Blomkamp, who is um, quite a famous South African filmmaker at the moment. He's uh, we've, We talked to him about him... Was it last week or the week before? Because he's signed on to do Alien 5. Yeah. Doing a new film in the Alien franchise. He also, of course, did Elysium, 
uh, year before last with Matt Damon and Jodie Foster and Charlotte Copley in it. And also one of my favourite sci-fi films of the past few years, District 9, uh, with Charlotte Copley in it. But as Jack sort of revealed to us, he just sprung this on us before we started recording the new release review. You're not quite so keen on District 9, is that right, Jack? Yeah, I, I, that's putting it mildly, to be honest. <laughs> I, I despised District 9. Despised and, it? Yeah, what? I really hated it, and it's not something that I can explain. It's just one of those that you just sort of have a visceral reaction to. I just I just didn't like it. I, I can't. I really can't express why. I think it's, it, it is a well-made film. I think the subtext is a little flimsy. It's, you know, I don't think it's as clever as people make it out to be. But I don't know, I, on the whole, I can't really explain it. So, yeah, I'm sorry about that one. Yeah, so, well, you should be, because... <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think we're, we're all a bit like that. We all have films that we don't sort of like, that loads of other people do. <coughs> Star Wars. <coughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I really thought District 9 was quite clever, for, particularly for, like... Um, a sci-fi film with aliens in it and plasma rifles and all that kind of thing. I thought it had quite a, a, a decent story to it, and also because of its setting and its sort of, you know, allegories to um, apartheid and stuff like that. I thought it was done really well, actually. I, I think I think one of the things that worked well again for for District Nine was if you wanted to to look at the allegory with with uh, apartheid in there, you could. If you wanted to just treat it as a, a sci-fi blockbuster, you could. You didn't have to kind of think, oh, there's some subtext here. It's got, you know, it's, you could just take it as a as as face value as a as a pretty good yeah uh, sci-fi blockbuster. The, the new Alien Nation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, I kind of liked how it was directed and created. You know, how it starts off quite a low-key almost like a documentary and then switches about halfway through to to just being a full-on science fiction action adventure kind of film yeah i like that better but that's not you know i'm not saying you're wrong for not liking it jack but <laughs> i am <laughs> <You're> wrong yeah <laughs> yeah i can't i can't really defend it just okay. one of those things did you see elysium did you? i didn't know no, no okay. because of district nine Right, okay. But you've seen Chappie? I have, and the reason for that, despite my hatred of District 9, um, was basically Diane Word. I just love them. I think they're great. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah, Neil Blomkamp has, has um, formed a friendship with these two. Mm. If anyone doesn't know them, they're, I, it's difficult to describe. I, I would just suggest going to YouTube and watching a few of their videos because they're fairly off the wall. Yeah. They're a yeah a really a really different musical act, um, and and the the film Chappie is peppered with their songs, their artwork, their logo. Um, at one point, I think Yolandi is wearing a t-shirt with the band name on it. Yeah, it's all it's a bit distracting when you're a, a fan of them. Um, but yeah, that's that's the reason why I was there in the cinema on opening night. It's because of them. It's it's sort of been on my radar for a few years, so I was really looking forward to Chappie. Yeah, and as it turns out, it is one of the dumbest films I've ever seen. <laughs> it has more plot holes than any other film I've ever seen. It's just riddled with silly characters, with like no motivation for any of the characters that's <laughs> entirely understandable. It's just... I just can't believe that so much of it has got past the writing stage without someone saying, 
hang on a minute, if that really important thing that could bring down the entire city is really valuable, maybe we shouldn't put it in a little yellow cage with a padlock on and have no security in the bloody building. <laughs> maybe we should sort that out. Yeah. It just it boggled my mind the whole way through. It was just crazy. Um, well, but, let's just explain what this this story is first, because um, sorry, yeah, you were going to do that, weren't you? We um, well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting though because that's that's the, the point that you've made about um, the little yellow box with just a padlock on it and no one guarding it. That's a little device, isn't it, that can reset the robot police force, which have been created by Dev Patel for Sigourney Weaver's corporation, who supply them to to the police, obviously. And um, he's, Dev Patel's also created an artificial intelligence, which he then uses this little device, which he steals really quite easily, for some reason. Steals it, um, inserts it into a robot, one of these robot police that's been written off, he's going to the scrap pile, and... Um, Oh, no, and you make, you make it sound like that was easy. He had to sit there all night and, and create that artificial, intelli- artificial intelligence. And yeah. he got to around 97%, and it was really difficult. He just couldn't do it. And then he had a Red Bull, <laughs> and then he sorted it out. It yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, I can only assume that's the sort of reference to, what's his name, Hugh Jackman in Swordfish. I've got to assume that's the only reason that he was uh, cracking okay. those codes so diligently yeah. in the last 3%. Because that's exactly the same sort of montage that Hugh Jackman did in that awful, awful film. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought as a film. Anyway, so I'm going back. I'll go back. I'll go back. I'll explain the plot. So then he creates this artificial intelligence after sipping his Red Bull, and um, he puts it into this robot, and it's stolen by the Antwood, and because it's a brand new thing it's been brought to life from from nothing it comes from nothing to being suddenly conscious um it's very naive it's basically got the mind of a child or a baby and it has to be nurtured and educated which is left to the hands of these two well three there's three of them because um there's another guy called america who's part of their their trio uh played by jose pablo pablo con Tillo, if I can remember correctly. Um, and they raise him and they want to use him to commit a heist to get some money to pay off a gangster played by Brandon Arrett, who is speaking English but constantly subtitled throughout, which admittedly annoyed me slightly to begin with. Um, but then it quickly transpired that due to his really thick Afrikaans accent, the subtitles were quite helpful because I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Um, I don't know if anyone else had that problem yeah, either. It's the same, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I got annoyed with the subtitles. Literally, well, I, I can understand everything you're saying. Why am I... Re- Literally, I, I, <laughs> for a second, I wanted to double-check to make sure I hadn't walked into the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, and then it was quite clear that actually... And yeah, about the halfway it. mark, I really needed it. <laughs> yeah. The problem was when I really needed it, I'd stop looking at them. Uh, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> oh, bollocks, that's what that's for. Mm. Okay. To be honest, it doesn't really have an awful lot of important dialogue. No, no, he doesn't. 20 million! 20 million, and then it changes to whatever he wants next after yeah. that. 20 um, million and your robot, oh, okay. And your robot, <laughs> yeah. There you go. That's his entire motivation, just because he's a big king of the criminal underworld or whatever. 
Um, it's important enough to need subtitles, you know, 20 million and your robot and a bag of skittles. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Um, but yeah, no, so this is a robot, Chappie, um, as he eventually gets called by Yolandi. Um, so, you know, the, we've talked about on the podcast previously, me and Steve have talked about the development of AI in films in general. Do you, do you guys, Booker, Jack, do you think that Chappie has in any way done something original with AI that it's, that's never been done before? Um, no. I've not, I've not no. seen Chappie, but from what I've seen, I don't think it's done anything, anything new with it. No. It's just it's just basically like E.T. or something like that, but with gangsters. That's yeah. I don't think it's doing anything new. Nothing that's been done in the last thirty years has been. Isn't yeah, it it's essentially. Just, I mean, I I loved Chappie, but isn't it essentially just short circuit in South Africa? I suppose it is. <laughs> yeah, sort of short circuit or E.T. as you say, but with explosions um, and the RoboCop bad guy villain thing. Um, piloted by Hugh Jackman, who's an, an ex-soldier, and actually gets to use his real accent for a change. No one's making him speak in, in American. Well, the problem yeah. is it just, it just sounds like a comedy Australian accent when he does it. It was so bad. He keeps, he keeps throwing in these little Australian idioms and stuff. Yeah. And they don't, don't really work because it seems like he's trying to show that he's Australian. Yep. Rather than South African to perhaps an American audience who might not have understood. Am I the only person that doesn't know who these two rappers are? Seriously. I only know who they are because they were on um, Adam Buxton's Bug. I have absolutely no idea who they were, and I lost my shit when I saw the credits. That, that twat's name is really Ninja. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and Yolandi Visser, her surname is spelt with two uh, dollar signs instead of S's. Oh. <laughs> fucking people. <laughs> I, yeah. d- I couldn't believe it. And, but what, what was stupid was like, I came, I, I went to work on Monday and started talking to people. I went, oh yeah, I don't know what, Die Antwerp, whatever their fucking name is. <laughs> the Belgian cousins of... Yeah. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't what the fuck, it, how do you know these people? I, I'm just very old, clearly. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not down with the kids the way everybody else is, obviously. <laughs> oh, what the fuck are these people doing? <laughs> I don't think you're that old because in all of the advertising stuff for this film, it was all Hugh Jackman and Dev Patel, and Diane Wed weren't really mentioned. So, I don't think it's just you. But the film was mainly written for those two, wasn't it? Oh, it is. So, it's like it's like Diane Wed the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's was, no reason for Hugh Jackman to be anywhere near this film, to be honest. Unnecessary, completely unnecessary. So you've already got a villain in the the guy with the subtitles, whatever his name was. So yeah. I, I just. I can't believe they, they wasted Hugh Jackman's time on this, to be yeah, honest. I, I think him and Sigourney Weaver owe someone big. Yeah, yeah. So, someone's called in a favour and gone, yeah, you two are going to be in it. Actually, no, he's gone, Fox have gone, right, we're going to get, we're going to give Blomkamp an alien. If you want in, you best be in this piece of shit. Well, I don't think that was a deal breaker for Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> she was probably already going to be in it before Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. But... Yeah, no, I, did, I take your point, because Hugh Jackman's... It's not just his... Like, his performance isn't bad. He just has really crap dialogue to work with, and a, a character with that's pointless, that is absolutely pointless. There's, There's no motivation for him at all. 
No, there, there isn't. Although it's hinted at, there's certain things about his religious beliefs and that he possibly doesn't believe in um, artificial intelligence and mainly due to his really strongly held religious um, beliefs. But then it's not developed at all and it's not turned into a motivation for him to, to hate artificial intelligence or to have this grudge with... Um, uh, with Dev Patel's character, aside from the fact Dev Patel's getting all of his funding, that's it. And that, yeah, that's it. He he's jealous of Dev Patel's funding, so he decides to destroy the entire city. Yeah, like mate, have a word with yourself. <laughs> and that's that's the whole film in a nutshell. It's it's there's all these ideas sort of brought together, and yeah, like his his religious background, and they're just dropped and they're never yeah. developed anymore. There's about forty different films in this. And, and not one great film. No. But here's the thing, though, right? I know it, it is dumb. And I know there are things in it that just really have got no excuse for being as bad as they are. But I still really enjoyed it. I yeah, found it same. really entertaining. Oh, and I loved I, it. I thought it was partly to do with Charlotte Copley's performance as Chappie because his comic timing was absolutely bang on. Some of the lines he had just left me in stitches. Oh it. yeah! Every, every time he, he what's say he fucks it up, he says "fuck a mother." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little stuff like that. Or when he's jacking cars, and it's just <laughs> I, w- I was laughing so much through that film, and that was one of the things I wasn't expecting to do. I wasn't expecting it to be funny, and it, it genuinely made me laugh quite a lot. Okay, I think that that draws to a close our review of Chappie. Um, just left now is our recommendations for the week ahead i'm going for uh friday night on um on film four at 10 to 11 is cloverfield one of the kind of earlier found footage films and still a very well still a very good one one of the better ones considering there's so much dribble coming out in the found footage genre uh owen When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm cheating because I've got two that I'm going to pick because I couldn't decide between them. So fuck it, why not? It's my podcast. I'll do what I like. It's our um, po- it's our podcast. Uh, yeah, sorry, Steve. Our podcast. Yeah, get it's it my right. Podcast. It's, my it's, podcast. Not, it's not James anymore. It's, no. it's it's ours. Yeah, it's ours. <clears throat> Mine. It's ours. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's ours. So I'm gonna the first one. BBC Four on Sunday at 10 p.m. Um, is The Untouchables which is a sort of French comedy drama about a quadriplegic, and it is really good, really funny, um, well worth a watch. But my other film that I'm picking um, is on film four on Sunday evening slash Monday morning, you know, 25 past one in the morning. Um, spring, summer, autumn, winter, and spring. So it's a film, a Korean film by Kim Ki-duk, 
which is one of his best. He's an art house Korean director. Um, but honestly, just it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So if, you, if you've got any interest in seeing a Korean film that's not just a typical revenge thriller, then start with that. Okay. And Andrew? Well, I, I reckon everyone can do like a double bill with your one, Steve. Mine's Friday night, 9 o'clock on film four is Lockout. That ultra stupid sci-fi movie <laughs> with uh, Guy Pearce. Is that, the pri- that, is that the prison in space one? It is. It, yeah. it, I love it. It's so fucking dumb. <laughs> but it's so much fun to watch. And Jack? Um, if I'd seen that The Untouchables um, was on, then I, that probably would have been my pick as well. I absolutely adore that film. It's one of the funniest films in the, in the last few years. Um, but I had already picked um, Harold and Maud on UK Netflix. Uh, it's just one of those films that everyone should have seen. So if you haven't, you really should. It's very, I, I hate these two words, but it's very quirky and offbeat. Um, and it's, it's American, but it's a very, very British film. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's, I, 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 it just seems so British. Uh, very dark humour. So, um, yeah, well worth a watch. If um, It's only about, I think it's 90 minutes dead on as well. So, not a long one. Okay. Uh, so that really is it for this week's podcast then. Um, Owen, what have we got lined up for next week? Um, I really should have checked that out before we started recording, shouldn't I? I, yes. I can't remember what's out next week. Anyone got any ideas off the top of the head what films are in the cinema this week? I don't know, but I think it's going to be another hour or so of film and banter from us. You reckon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, guarantee, I guarantee it. Oh, yeah, you lot have got your work cut out for next week. Why? You've got Run All Night comes out. One all night. Wow. So, so what's that like? Taken five, really? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like Liam Neeson. I'll see that. I have to admit, I saw the trailer when I went to see Chappie, and I quite. It's got Vincent D'Onofrio, and I'll watch that dude in anything. So, yeah. I would probably watch Run All Night. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, thanks to everyone who's joined us this uh, this week. Uh, thanks to everyone who's contributed to the podcast. Thanks to Jack for agreeing to come on. Why don't you give your podcast one more plug before we go? Yeah, I, I didn't do a very good job of it at the start. Um, <laughs> yeah, as I say, it's a chat show. We've had a few. Well, we've had James from the band Temples on. We've also had Owen on as well, um, discussing the Oscars. So that's at notthisagain.co.uk. Okay. Uh, yeah, excellent. So thanks to everyone who's listened and contributed. And join us again this time next week for another Failed Critics podcast. wasn't great to be honest <laughs> yeah understatement wasn't great no uh, See, i thought i thought it did i thought it might have a little bit of charm because it you know just just the name of it i mean the cover's great yeah but um yeah just what yeah one of the worst really <laughs> uh right on to the news then and um owen you've managed to dig out some film news for us this week didn't you yeah well it's been a bit quiet this week um 
Well, I say it's been a bit quiet. I mean, there's lots of like Twitter film news that goes around, but it's stuff I'm not too interested in. And we can talk about it because you guys might be or people listening might be. But stuff like the Avengers trailer has come out, and that was quite a big deal on Twitter. Well, it's, it's just a trailer though; it doesn't really tell. Like the third trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, exactly. It's, all it's got in it that's a bit new is there's a bit of the vision at the end, but everyone knew he's going to be in it anyway, so. It's just like, yeah, yeah. What's, the, what's the big deal? Well, I saw, the, I, I saw the trailer um, in the cinema this week. That was the first time I've seen the trailer in the cinema. Yeah. And I don't know how you guys feel about comic book films in general. Um, well, I kind of know a little bit about how Steve feels about it. But I, I'm just not too excited about Age of Ultron. It seems to be, as it's getting closer, I thought I'd be a bit more excited about it than I am. And I hope I'm wrong, because I really enjoyed the first Avengers film. Um, I, admit, seem... I think I'm... Sorry, go on, mate. There doesn't seem to be as much hype about this one. Mm. It, all, it all seems to be about what Marvel are doing further down the line, rather than what Marvel, you know, what's coming out in a month, month or so. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. I don't know if it'll live up to the first one. It's got a pretty high bar that's been set. But I think it'll be, it'll be good. If if not great in in terms of comic book films, not in terms of films in general, but in terms of of comic book movies, it'll it'll be good, possibly great, and um, yeah, it'll keep Marvel plodding along nicely. But I just don't think the hype machine has quite been what it was for for the first Avengers films or other Marvel films. Do you think people are just starting to get a little bit fatigued with these uh, superhero films now? Not really, because every time any anyone especially with Marvel stuff, I mean, I think people are just fed up with DC movies because they seem to fuck up everything they do at the moment. But every time something happens with Marvel, it's such a big reaction, like Spider-Man being announced is going to be in uh, Civil War. Uh, mm. and, when, and when Marvel announced, like, this is our plan for the next four years or five years or whatever it is, and this is all the names of the films we're going to release, this is the, the new characters that are going to have to be filmed, everyone was going mad about it. So I, I don't think the kind of enthusiasm for these kind of films has died down. Um, maybe they just don't feel like they need to hype it as much. So it's just like well, everyone's going to see an Avengers film anyway. So I don't re- we don't really need to waste our budget on advertising it so much and hyping it up so much. But I do think though there are some people now who are getting to the point where, I mean, I don't personally subscribe to the opinion myself, but I know there are people who think that the market, you know saturated with comic book films and oh why don't they make any other kind of you know original sci-fi which is ironic because we're going to be talking about Chappie later anyway <laughs> but you know I, I, I'm not personally um, feeling that fatigue myself but like you know Steve's just pointed out the hype isn't really there anymore it's just like they've announced what films are going to be released and when and it's just like now a process of getting to the next one it's like watching a TV series and it's the next episode rather than a brand new season, you know? Yeah, I think I'm kind of feeling the burnout a bit, but I'm sick of hearing about comic book movies. Mm. And, and when you see, because there's a, there's a picture floating about, and there's a, with the timetable of all the Marvel films, all the DC films, and all the ones in between that are all coming out over the next couple of years. And I looked at it and just thought, well, are there going to be space for any other films? <laughs> Am I going to be out of fit an actual proper filming around any of these movies? 
Yeah, and don't Star get me Wars. wrong, they're, they're great fun, and I I couldn't care two shits about Star Wars. Oh, God. No. <laughs> well, another Owen, another misery. Tell me no, in as well. I, I think it's yeah, three, so, one, it's three against one now. Three against one. Oh, well, I, I, I could maybe get behind Star Wars if that fucking awful prequel trilogy thing wasn't a thing. <laughs> if, if it didn't exist, I might get a bit excited about it, but I saw how badly they fucked up Star Wars already. Uh, I'm not Disney, interested. Though, Disney have been have been on a roll, really, haven't they? I mean, I'll, the Muppets, I'll, they took over and have done really well. Um, Marvel, hmm. they've done really well. I, I think it's safe hands. I've got, I've got faith. faith. I've got faith in this Star Wars film. I think it's going to be it's going to be good. It's not going to be a slap in the face. I don't think it'll be a slap in the face. It'll probably be a decent movie to watch, but I don't think it's going to live up to anyone's expectations. And Disney are doing the same with that as they're doing with Marvel. Like the release schedule they've got for Star Wars and its many and varied spin-offs. So there's going to be something every year for it. Hmm. You're going to burn out so quick. I just I can't be asked. Just wait till just wait till the Marvel. Uh, and Star Wars universe merge. <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm I'm calling it now. It'll happen. <laughs> you might get some crossover. I don't think they'll do a full on merge. <laughs> yeah, there'll, be, there'll be some crossover, which everyone will say works well, the same continuity. Now it's one and the same universe. So uh, Han Solo could turn up and in the Avengers, and that's what will happen. I'm telling you. Well, wow. so if, if it turns out that it's actually good, I will gladly come back and eat my words. I and, just don't if, think it's going to happen. And if that happens, um, I'm sure that somebody has listened to this podcast on so juice and money. <laughs> <laughs> I will, uh, yeah, I will gladly. If anyone wants to come up with a decent punishment for me, if it turns out to actually be a decent set of films. I'll happily take it. I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, I, I know a certain film that you could watch as punishment. I'd still rather watch that than the Star Wars prequel. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Hmm. Um, and didn't you also find out, Owen, oh, it looks like there's going to be a live-action version of Dumbo created? Yes, by none other than Tim Burton. <sighs> so, So which role is Johnny Depp playing? All of them. <laughs> it's going to be fucking Norbit with Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter won't be in it each character as well right the, yeah. the, prob- the problem that I uh, I can't think is a live action version of Dumbo in Dumbo an elephant flies um, <laughs> well I don't think they're going to get real live elephants well it's not live action flight. then is it <laughs> I don't know man that could be some <laughs> fucking awesome wire work really couldn't it <laughs> yeah Get a little mouse in a costume, make him dance and drink booze, yeah. Why not? That's what they do for all of Johnny Depp's roles. Yeah. I imagine when we say live action, Steve, we're talking like Jurassic Park, dinosaurs, live action. Well, I mean, obviously, but I was just taking the mick out of an obviously awful idea for a film. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But um, it is is an awful idea, isn't it? And nobody's asking for this. Nobody wants this. Nobody wants another Tim Burton film, full stop. Let let us ruin a a childhood classic. It's just, I Mm. just wish he was dead. (laughs) Okay idea, giving it to Tim Burton's what makes it a bad idea. Is is Dumbo even popular enough to demand a remake? Live action or otherwise? 
Um, well, I did watch that film quite recently, and you know the pink elephants on parade bit is brilliant. The rest of the film, not so much. And I don't know how they're going to remake one bit of it because it's got quite sort of racist crows in it. It really has. Hmm. <laughs> so. Hmm. Oh, that's that's going to be quite. Yeah. Yeah. So. We are remaking songs of the South. It just you can't do it. Yeah, precisely. It's just not going to. I don't. I don't know. I don't think any of his films work um, post sort of Edward. So. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to going to fit in it's just going to be another completely tim burton-esque style dominating any substance or lack thereof and it's just going to be really boring bit quirky and just mostly shit (laughs) and mostly johnny depp (laughs) yeah dress as an elephant yeah yeah wow um (laughs) yeah there is a little before we do move on because I can see we're struggling to to fill it the news section. There's just one thing I want to mention. We're on this episode is actually our 147th episode of the podcast, and we're coming up to a very sort of special episode for us, which is the 150th. Um, we're actually going to celebrate our 159th because for anyone who was listening back then, our hundredth episode was lost by a certain Mr. Diamond. He deleted the recording or it got screwed and we had me, Steve and James had to re-record it. So technically our 149th is our 150th episode and we've got a very special treat for people. We've um, a musical treat from an actual proper professional musician who's contributed to this podcast, this 150th episode um, with a remix. It's James Yule. And honestly, I have, I've barely stopped listening to it on repeat since I first heard it. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to be absolutely brilliant. It's, I'm just, I can't, uh, Steve, you've listened to it. What did you think of it? It's better than the shite we got now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Better, the, better the, than the, the James, the, that James made us stick with relentlessly. <laughs> um, I kind of like our theme music, but the new one is it just loads better. I hate it, and James knew my feelings on that theme music <laughs> for a long time. I hated it. I hate it. It's just boring and yeah. weird, and yeah. Well, uh, you've only had to pull up with it for 150 episodes, so there you go. Yeah. What's that? About 200 hours, probably more. Yeah, this is this is a bit like when they updated like the casualty theme tune to make it a bit more jazzy and modern. No, it's nothing like that, because that ruined the casualty theme. That was a classic. Yeah, I was trying to think of somebody else that kept the same theme tune, but just slapped a bit of funk on it. <laughs> the Bill. Yeah, the Bill. That's, that's, yeah. The Bill. yeah that's, a, that's a better one, The Bill. But we've made ours better, not like The Bill or Casualty. Exactly. Yeah. As is about 150 times better. Yeah. Um, I, think that's all, <laughs> I think that's about all for any news uh, this week. Um, so we'll hopefully have something... Uh, for you next week if something actually happens in the world of cinema other than Tim Burton remaking something that we all liked from our childhood Um, up next we have got what we've been watching time then for what we've been watching where we take a look at some of the films that we've seen in the last seven days that weren't necessarily new releases 
Jack, as you're new on the podcast, you can start us off in this section. Okay. Um, the only film I've watched this week was, uh, other than Chappie, is uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, but I think we've, we've discussed that enough on this podcast. Can I just ask why you saw it? Uh, I don't really know. I just, <laughs> okay. I, I thought, let's just, let's just go for it. I mean, I, I, re- I read a little bit of the book and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. So I don't know why I did. Uh, and the, the film is nowhere near as bad, but it's, it's just dull. There's, mm. there's nothing to it really. Um, didn't really get me aroused. It, and that's the most important thing. And it, it yeah. just but, failed to do that. So but is it, is it meant to get you aroused or is it meant to get, the women aroused. Oh, yeah, it's meant to get women aroused. I but I there were still if... boobs in it, so, mm. you know. Yeah, because there's a lot of female nudity and not so much yeah. male nudity. Yeah. Which is just like they've not really understood the target audience for that one. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, I mean, that, that's it. it. There was boobs in it and it was still dull. So you, you've really gone wrong somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but other than that, I have been... Uh, it's TV, so I'm cheating a little bit, but I've been re-watching Generation Kill... Um, which is a, a, I think it's 2008 um, war miniseries from David Simon, who created The Wire. Mm-hmm. Uh, stars Alexander Skarsgård, and it's set during the uh, the Iraq. Um, I nearly said the Iraq War, but I'll, we'll we'll go with the Iraq invasion. Yeah. Um, it's I, I just love it, and um, this is the second time watching it, and it's just so in depth. It's so realistic, and that is what I love about it most: the realism. It, um, it just sort of throws you in. It you, it loses. Sorry, it uses a lot of uh, military jargon. It doesn't explain anything. You just have to sort of pick it up and figure out what's going on for yourself. Um, and it just shows as much of the the tedium of war. You know, when the soldiers mm. are just sitting around doing nothing, they're bored, they're arguing about the the equipment that they haven't received that they need for like their night goggles and stuff like that. Um, it shows as much of that sort of side as it does the fighting. Which is something you just don't tend to get in war films or TV series. It's normally just sort of bang, bang, bang. That guy's dead. Oh no, here we go. Well, let's go off again and kill some more people. But this is—it just shows so much what it would be like to be an actual soldier. Uh, I mean, you don't get soldiers getting excited over a Pizza Hut delivery in the thin red line. <laughs> it, it just—it's so. I don't know. It's just—it's just really, really in depth. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it shows the brutality of war just as much as any of the other war films do. But you just get such a sense of all the characters in there. And they're, they're not cliches. A lot of war films you'll get, you know, your typical sergeant or whatever. And it just, it you don't get that here. They're all fully rounded characters. They're all amazingly played. And if you've seen The Wire, you'll sort of know what you're getting. It's, it's a very similar sort of structure. Uh, you get a lot of, a lot of people higher up making bad decisions and seeing the the effects of that filter through down to the the guys at the bottom. Uh so yeah, um Andrew you've seen Generation Kill as well, haven't you? I have uh, a couple of years ago it was my second or third watch of it. I it's absolutely amazing. It's based on a very very good book as well. Mm. Yeah, I haven't, I've I've had that on my shelf for years and haven't got around to it yet, <laughs> but even though I love the show, I just I just haven't done it. It's 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 a it's a hard, it's a bit like the show. It's it's quite a hard quite hard going because it's not all action and not all you know mm. an explosion every 15 minutes there's a lot of talking about nothing going on yeah but it's very very good and i i thought the tv show was absolutely amazing actually because we were talking about this yesterday weren't we and i 
I've kind of I've pulled it down from upstairs now. It's sat by my TV waiting for me to binge it again. Because <laughs> it's, it's been a little while and it's definitely in need of being watched again. It's quite short as well, isn't it? Is there, any, is, is there eight episodes or something like it's that? It's seven episodes and I think seven. it's around 450 minutes, somewhere in that, that region. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's not a huge commitment. It's, it's sort of like the length of Das Boot or something. And I'd, actually, I'd say it's quite similar to Das Boot. It's, it's more about the characters and what they're going through than it is just war in general. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have seen it, but it was a few years ago, so I didn't really want to comment too much. But I do remember really enjoying it. And it was a, in a period when I was really into David Simon stuff like, you know, The Wire, obviously, and The Corner. And mm-hmm. Treme came out, I think, a couple of years after after Generation Kill. And I really enjoyed that as well. So, yeah, I really like David Simon. He's brilliant at capturing a, a convincingly... It, it almost looks like it's a real portrayal of actual life. Um, even though it's stuff I've obviously got no sort of personal experience with, but... It's just like it lo- It convinces me that that's exactly how being at war would probably be like for these soldiers. That's, that's it. And it it could be completely different to what being at war is mm. like. But yeah, he's just he tells it so convincingly. Yeah. The acting so good. The script is just the, the best, really. I, I can't really fault his scripts in any way. Um, I mean, I think The Wire is the best thing that's ever been on TV and possibly film as well. Uh, oh, so yeah. that's <laughs> It's Go on. probably the best on TV. I'd agree with that. I don't think there's been a better TV show than The Wire. The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah see, that's the big argument, isn't it? But I very much sit there and go, it, it all actually, because it all comes out of one of the greatest TV production companies mm. going. Generation Kills the same, isn't it? Because it's all HBO, that, yeah. The Wire, Sopranos. Yeah. They, and they know how to make amazing TV. Yeah, yeah. they really do. Okay, uh, well, I have seen a film this week that was uh, would have been a new release last week, should any of us have gone to see it. I was unfortunate enough to go and see it uh, this week, and that is called The Boy Next Door. Now, there are some benefits of having a girlfriend when it comes to cinema. Sometimes you get to go and see films like Cake with Jennifer Aniston that I saw a few weeks ago. Uh, it's a film I probably wouldn't have gone to see if I hadn't been taken along by a lady friend to see it. But enjoyed it a lot and was very impressed with it. There's sometimes though when you get to drag to see utter utter tripe, <laughs> <laughs> and this this was it. So Jennifer Lopez is a, um, a divorcee who moves next door to a handsome young teenage chap uh, who is um, who ends up sleeping with her and then becomes obsessed with her and goes a bit mad. And it's all by the books and very predictable and very boring and plods along and no one in it can act very well. Uh, Jennifer Lopez should stick to singing. Um, I don't know what she's like as a singer, but she's probably better than she is an actress. Uh, I've never heard of anyone else who's in it, but they ain't very good. It's just a waste of everyone's time. Like They don't even try and do anything new. It's just a, it's just a by the books film of a same, you know, Guy gets obsessed with woman. Uh, guy goes a bit mental. Uh, they have like a showdown of types, and people get hurt, and the woman comes out fine in the end. It's predictable, and sometimes even being predictable in films isn't a bad thing because you can have a predictable film that's good. This isn't that. It doesn't try to do anything new with the the type of film either. It's just. Ugh. 
I, I had avoided this one. I've heard it described as one of the worst films in years, which I thought would probably be a bit harsh, but it sounds like actually then, Steve, not far off. No, it's, uh, it's, it's not harsh. It's accurate. Um, it, was, uh, it was a 15 film. Apparently it's an 18 rated version. I don't think I'm going to be waiting for the director's cut or the, <laughs> the 18 version to come out. Um, I think you can just uh, kind of tell how bad a film it is when you find out that, that J-Lo, I think that's what she'd like us to call her. Um, she probably was, doesn't care, Steve. Was, was not, whatever you like. Was, was nominated for an MTV Movie Award for Best Scared as Shit Performance. For this? For, for, yeah, for that film, uh, MTV Movie Awards for 2015, Best Scared as Shit Performance. Now, I think you could take out three words from that title and, and give her a justified <laughs> nomination for, for anything. Any, yeah. Uh, don't go and see it, please. Uh, Andrew, what have you seen? I, I've, I've seen the cinema listing for The Boy Next Door. <laughs> I, seriously, I, when I was looking for films to go see for last week's podcast, I saw the thing for Boy Next Door and went, oh, maybe I need to watch that. And literally, I read the words... Erotic thriller starring Jennifer Lopez, and decided I'd rather have someone piss in my eyes. <laughs> it's like what? It's, it's like a bad yet big budget version of those films that you used to get on Channel Five when Channel Five first started, like at eleven o'clock at night. God, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> but starring Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, yeah. It just makes it more convincing, really. I'd, I'd rather watch the Channel Five stuff or the movies for men. Yes, just, I know the channel they're on. Just just put Babe Station on and it'll be fine. <laughs> you only need the 10 minute preview any more than that and you're wasting your time. Yeah. Or money. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously though, how do those, in this day and age, how do those channels exist? Like, who's paying for them? This is a, this is a genuine People question. without the internet. But but if you've got a sky sky phone you know, sky stuff in your house, you've probably got the internet as well. Like who is actually paying for them? There can't be enough people around paying for like more than one of those channels to exist. Well, but Steve, it... you did go to see an erotic thriller um, <laughs> yeah. with Jennifer Lopez, and you did buy, buy those tickets. So well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> I just can't fathom it. How like if it was just one like of those channels. Like just one, taking all the money that people are paying for for that kind of thing, I can understand it. But there's there's more than one. I don't understand how it works, like how how people are going for it, how it's how it's making money. But that's that's a discussion for for. Our, I, I admit, our... I've not put that much thought into it. <laughs> yeah. So well, what is this? What this podcast has turned into now? The other week we had Matt and Paul just randomly shouting out porn websites. This week we're promoting Babe Station. And erotic thrillers with Jennifer Lopez and Channel 5 movies. What's next week? I feel um, you're missing ad revenue somewhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm reviewing the box set of Red Shoe Diaries with Dave <laughs> McCovney. Excellent. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, Andrew, what have you seen this week? I've, I've kind of cheated as well, because I've, I've done two trips to the cinema this week to catch up with the new releases. So I've been, my film watching has been kind of null at home. So what I've been doing is catching up with uh, Vikings on Amazon Prime. I'm actually, I know we're near the new season, but I'm catching up with season two. And it's absolutely really worth watching. I kind of thought it was like a PG-13 Game of Thrones when I started watching it. 
last year, mm-hmm. and it's improved a lot since then. After the first couple of episodes, they upped their budget, and it's turned into a really decent show about Vikings. You, you, need, you don't need to know anything else other than that. Yeah, I'd it's about seen Vikings. it and thought it looked a bit cheap Vikings and avoided it. Yeah. I kind of did as well. I, I think I saw an advert when it finally started airing on the History Channel over here. I went, mm. well, actually, that looks all right. And I had a weekend where we were doing nothing, so we watched a couple of episodes. And it's worth, definitely worth a bit of your time to have a watch of. I really, really liked it. And I'm now, I'm struggling to force my way and get done with season two so I can crack on and get caught up with season three because I want to see how it ends. Hmm. It's really worth spending your time with. Cool. Um, and Owen, what have you, have you watched? I watched um, the ABCs of Death 2 on US Netflix this week because I'm one of those people who quite enjoyed the first one and films like, you know, VHS and those sort of uh, portmanteau horrors. Um, that's basically what ABCs of Death, the series is. It's just 26 short horror films by 26 different film directors, filmmakers, and each like segment is ascribed a letter from the alphabet and then they make a title from the letter um like for example one of the big name directors I say big name this is like the standard of the level of director they they get onto these sort of um projects um b is for badger in this film and that's directed by julian barrett of the mighty boosh fame um that's kind of level we're at here last the last ABCs of Death, did any of you watch them? Yes. You... No. Steve, sounds like something you might have given a chance at some point. Sorry? Have you seen ABCs of Death? Yes, I did see. I, I think I didn't watch all of it. Um, I, I liked parts, and didn't like, but I didn't like more than I did like. Okay, Brooker, what did you think of it? Oh, they were stupid fun, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were kind of really. Most of them were, were, looked very cheap and were. Um, they sort of didn't really know exactly what they were doing. I don't think, but I kind of enjoyed the first one. It was a bit inconsistent, as these things tend to be, but I thought it was all right. So I kind of went into this one a little bit um, optimistic. I thought maybe they'll do what the first one did, but better. They'll know a little bit more about how the format works this time, and they'll be able to link the films a bit better. But uh, it doesn't quite work as well. Also, the, the like level of director they've got back this time is a little bit below the kind of people they had the first time around. So, like previously, they had um, people like Ben Wheatley, you know, of Kill List and The Field in England fame, and people like Ty West, who made House of the Devil and The Sacrament and so on, um, as well as people like Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard, who were responsible for. You're next, and uh, the guest last year as well. So that's kind of like who they had previously. This time, like say, they had Julian Barrett. They also had two Israeli directors called um, Aaron Kashales and Navat Papashadu, I think that's how you pronounce the name, who made quite um, a successful indie film a year ago, I think, or two, a year or two ago, uh, called Big Bad Wolves. That went down really well at Fright Fest. Um, but also the biggest names they've got back this time are the Soska twins, Jen and Sylvia Soska, who uh, obviously did films like uh, American Mary, which I thought was very good. 
Oh, I love them too. I'm a massive, massive Soska Sisters fan. Okay, yeah, excellent. They do a section on this called Tears for Torture Porn, which sort of sounds exactly like a film they would make. Yeah, I do, uh, I'm yet to see ABCs of Death too. It's it's sitting. I'm waiting to watch it. I just haven't found the time. And well, to be honest, I haven't found the time when the kid ain't around and, <laughs> and the missus ain't going to sit there going, "Oh, that's gross." Yeah, no, they they are definitely 18 rated shorts. These yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, so you know they've got perhaps the standard of directors not quite as high as um, the previous entry to to the franchise. But it's still, you know, it's still quite interesting. They've got some some decentish names in there involved. Um, I'm not going to talk about every single short film. I'm just going to pick out a few that I think are my favourites and a few which are my least favourites. One of them is called G is for Grandad. It's by directed by it's directed by a British guy called Jim Hosking, um, which is about this kind of stuck up, arrogant, obnoxious, long haired teenager who's living in his granddad's house, and then finds out that his granddad has been sort of living underneath his bed. And it goes a bit weird, and they have a bit of a fight, and it's just the, one of the most bizarre stories there. Not in terms of, like, there are some which... They've got a few Japanese directors involved, for example, and we all know what kind of crazy sort of shit that they come up with some, from time to time. It's not as, like, out there with tentacles and, you know penises stabbing people in the face or anything like that it's just that it's just really creepy and weird oh, now i'm not watching it yeah they do have a penis stab someone in the face i'll just put that out there in one of the shorts that's why it came to mind um oh, sold there you go so you can you can rest assured that you'll see a penis stab someone a giant penis stab a woman in the face <coughs> so there's that but also um another good short is one called l is for legacy which it's directed by this guy called Lancelot Odoa Imaswen. I'm going to stick with that. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. Have you ever heard of the phrase Nollywood? Which no. refers to yeah. Nigerian, yeah. really low-budget films. Yes. It's a bit like that. And I don't mean that in a sort of patronising or, um, you know, to, to slag it off kind of way. It's just, it's really weird. And there's a guy who's, it's a bit like this uh, human sacrifice as well. There's these two tribes. And then there's this demon creature, which is clearly just some guy with, like, mud on him and feathers and a weird papier-mâché mask. And it just looks fucking... Yeah, you've got to see that one. That's one of my favourites, just because of how shit it looks. Um, But also there's another one which is... um, M is for Masticate, which is directed by a guy called Robert Buchek. And, um, yeah, it's another one that's also a bit odd, uh, because it's, it's like a music video to start with. There's this guy who's... It's all in slow motion, and you know the uh, video to Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve? And there's yeah. a guy just walking down the street, bumping into people. It's like that, but he is literally just legging it down the street bumping into different folk and then eating them and biting them and he's just this rabid cannibal guy and eventually at the end he's shot by the police and then there's just like a clip at the end because the, the, the thing about the ABCs of death is not all of them are meant to be scary some of them try to be very seriously scary or very seriously tense and it's very difficult when you've got a short film that's about you know three or four minutes in length 
So some of them add humour to it. And Emmys for Masticate has one of the... It's just... It's, I thought it was trying to be quite serious or trying to be even a little bit satirical about something, about a guy running down the high street and consuming people around him. But it's not. It's revealed, actually, all he did was, like, there's a clip at the end which just goes, and, you know, 34 minutes earlier, he says, dude, are you going to snort these bath salts? And he goes, hell yeah. And then that's it. So, <laughs> it's just really stupid. Like, we said the first the first films were stupid, but kind of funny. Um, and my final sort of favourite segment is one of the, the Japanese ones. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce this word, because I'm not very well read but O is for ochlocracy I think you think I think that's pronounced ochlocracy but mob rule basically uh, and it's a Japanese one as I say it's about this woman who's been running around with her daughter killing zombies but now they found a cure for zombie the zombie disease and now the people who were zombies are sentencing people who killed zombies in a courtroom so this woman's trying to defend herself for killing zombies in a zombie outbreak and I kind of love the little twist on it, and it, it's a bit—it's it, probably the most unique of all of the the short films, and um, it's done very well. What isn't done very well is one called P is for P P P P P Scary, which is directed by a guy called guy called Todd Rohal, which is um, a bit like a David Lynch film actually. It's an—it's meant to be from the well, the Wikipedia description is an homage to black and white comedy in which three prisoners encounter a strange man and a baby. And it's all meant to be like a dream, and they try to make it look a bit creepy and a, a bit sort of trippy. Um, and if it's meant to be a comedy, it just doesn't work. It's just not funny. And, yeah, I didn't enjoy that one at all. And I, the, the, What annoyed me, I thought I recognised one of the guys in it, and then it turns out it wasn't him. So that made me doubly angry with it, because I thought I'd spotted like this indie little... British actor, and then it wasn't him at all. So I was a bit personally annoyed. Uh, not obviously comment on the quality of the film that one, but <laughs> R is for Roulette as well, directed by Marvin Crane, um, which is about these German people, I think, playing Russian roulette in a basement. And it's just so absolutely generic and boring and pointless, and just n- does not deserve to be in a film like this. There's nothing original about it. There's nothing. Um, scary, nothing tense, there's, n- there's no humour in it, it's just people playing Russian roulette in the basement, it just seems like no thought or care has gone into it at all, so I didn't enjoy that one, and it's not the kind of film I want to see in the ABCs of death, but yeah. So I mean overall, I think it had a more positive reception than the first ABCs of death, but um, you know, it's, it's the same with all of these films, like I said VHS, or whether it's something like Tales from the Crypt or Creepshow, all these sort of anthology horrors, they are always inconsistent. You always have favourites and you always have least favourites. Um, so what I don't want to say is don't watch it because there are ones on there that are crap. But I don't want to say watch it because there are some that are absolutely brilliant. There are going to be some that you'll like and some that you won't. So you've just got to, you know, pace yourself for it. Get ready because there are crap ones and there are good ones. Okay. Uh, I think that brings an end to uh, what we've been watching for this week. Up next, we have got some reviews of a couple of new releases for you, uh, both Chappie and Still Alice.
In the final part of this week's Crunch podcast, we'll be looking at Still Alice and Chappie, both new releases to UK cinema this week. Uh, Andrew, you've seen Still Alice, haven't you? I have. Uh, so why don't you tell us about that one? Okay, so Still Alice is uh, it's a film about a woman who has early onset Alzheimer's disease. And it, it kind of depicts her very her very quick kind of failing mental state and how her and her family deal with it. It's it started with as pretty much everybody will know now. It's starring Julianne Moore who won an Oscar for her performance in it. And much deserved as well. She was amazing in this film. Uh so it's her and her family who consist of Alec Baldwin as her husband, Kristen Stewart, you know, a couple of others who, and and they just, it's a really decent look at how the whole family is affected and how they act around her knowing that she's got this disease. It's, it's a really, really kind of sad film to watch. There is not one person who went to see that film who didn't come out you know, wanting to hang themselves. It was just so depressing. <laughs> but it was really, really good. Everybody has to see this film just to see... Because Julianne Moore, every, you know, Paul previously on the podcast has said before how good Julianne Moore is in like Maps to the Stars, and I agree completely. Uh, but she absolutely needed an Oscar sometime, and she really, really deserves it for for Still Alice. But was the would you think the film would have been as enjoyable for well perhaps enjoyable is the wrong word but do you think it would have you would have found it as good if anyone other than Julianne Moore was in it because I mean what I suppose what I'm trying to get at is is the film actually really good the or film is, is just Julianne Moore is really good really good it's I, I have read a lot of people who said you know it would be crap if Julianne Moore wasn't in it I don't think that's quite true it wouldn't be the same film uh, it you know it wouldn't I don't think it would have been quite as affecting but it would have been very good nonetheless. Yeah. But Julianne Moore is excellent. And actually, I, I I think I wrote in the review for the site as well, I really I was really impressed by Kristen Stewart and how well she'd done in it. Mm. Because she's just this mopey teen, and she's been a mopey teen as many times as she's been on my TV. <laughs> and the, the problem is she's a mopey teen in the film. So it was basically she could have just turned up, done her bit and left. But she put in a real solid effort, and it's it's one of a couple of films that she's she was in last year that I'm waiting. For, well, I've seen this one. I'm waiting to see Camp X-Ray to see how that turns out as well. But I think it might be the start of something decent for her. I I think without Julianne Moore, it wouldn't be quite as good, but it would still be worth watching. Absolutely. Excellent. Um... And that one obviously caused some controversy because it was nominated for a BAFTA even though it hadn't been released in time. And mm. They snuck that one in there. But it's worth noting that I, I was doing some reading after I'd seen the film. I was just doing some reading up on it after I'd done my review. And it turns out I had no idea one of the directors actually has motor neurone disease, ALS. Oh, right, okay. And directed the entire film using text-to-speech on his iPad. Okay. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, obviously, it's, it's co-directed. There are two people that, that directed the film. But yeah, I had no idea that one of them was you know, directed solely using a text-to-speech app on his iPad. 
I was, I was quite taken aback to read that. Was... Well, do you know anything else the director's done before, then? I'm I don't. Trying... I, I did do some looking up on it. I don't recognise anything they've okay. done. Okay, right. Okay. And now time, then, for a review of Chappie, seen by uh, everyone else here bar me, and starring Hugh Jackman, Dev Patel, and a robot. Yes. Um, well, Shalto Copley playing a robot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to describe it for you, Steve? Because I know you've yes. not seen it. Yes. Okay. It's directed by Neil Blomkamp, who is um, quite a famous South African filmmaker at the moment. He's uh, we've, We talked to him about him, was it last week or the week before? Because he's signed on to do Alien 5, yeah. doing a new film in the Alien franchise. He also, of course, did Elysium a uh, year before last with Matt Damon and Jodie Foster and Charlotte Copley in it. And also one of my favourite sci-fi films of the past few years, District 9, uh, with Charlotte Copley in it. But as Jack sort of revealed to us, he just sprung this on us before we started recording the new release review. You're not quite so keen on District 9, is that right, Jack? Yeah, I, I, that's putting it mildly, to be honest. I, <laughs> I despised District 9. Despised and, it? Yeah, what? I really hated it. And it's not something that I can explain. It's just one of those that you just sort of have a visceral reaction to. I just I just didn't like it. I, I can't. I really can't express why. I think it's, it, it is a well-made film. I think the subtext is a little flimsy. It's, you know, I don't think it's as clever as people make it out to be. But I don't know. I, on the whole, I can't really explain it. So, yeah, I'm sorry about that one. Yeah, you, so, well, you should be. Because, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I think we're, we're all a bit like that. We all have films that we don't sort of like that loads of other people do. <coughs> Star Wars. <coughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I really thought District 9 was quite clever for, particularly for, like, um, a sci-fi film with aliens in it and plasma rifles and all that kind of thing. It had quite a, a, a decent story to it, and also because of its setting and its sort of, you know, allegories to um, apartheid and stuff like that. I thought it was done really well, actually. I think I think one of the things that worked well again for, for District Nine was if you wanted to to look at the allegory with with uh, apartheid in there, you could. If you wanted to just treat it as a, a sci-fi blockbuster, you could. You didn't have to kind of think, oh, there's some subtext here. It's got, you know, it's, you could just take it as a as as face value as a as a pretty good yeah uh, sci-fi blockbuster. The, the new Alien Nation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, I kind of liked how it was directed and created. You know, how it starts off quite a low-key almost like a documentary and then switches about halfway through to to just being a full-on science fiction action adventure kind of film yeah i like that better but that's not you know i'm not saying you're wrong for not liking it jack but <laughs> i am <laughs> <You're> wrong yeah <laughs> yeah i can't i can't really defend it just okay. one of those things did you see elysium did you? i didn't know no okay. because of district nine Right, okay. But you've seen Chappie? I have, and the reason for that, despite my hatred of District 9, um, was basically Diane Word. I just love them. I think they're great. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah, Neil Blomkamp has, has um, formed a friendship with these two. Mm. If anyone doesn't know them, they're 
I, it's difficult to describe. I, I would just suggest going to YouTube and watching a few of their videos because they're fairly off the wall. Yeah. They're a yeah a really a really different musical act. Um, and and the the film Chappie is peppered with their songs, their artwork, their logo. Um, at one point, I think Yolandi is wearing a T-shirt with the band name on it. Yeah. It's all it's a bit distracting when you're a, a fan of them. Um, but yeah, that's that's the reason why I was there in the cinema on opening night. It's because of them. It's it's sort of been on my radar for a few years, so I was really looking forward to Chappie. Yeah. And as it turns out, it is one of the dumbest films I've ever seen. <laughs> it has more plot holes than any other film I've ever seen. It's just riddled with silly characters with like no motivation for any of the characters that is <laughs> entirely understandable. It's just I just can't believe that so much of it has got past the writing stage without someone saying hang on a minute, if that really important thing that could bring down the entire city is really valuable, maybe we shouldn't put it in a little yellow cage with a padlock on and have no security in the bloody building. <laughs> maybe we should sort that out. Yeah. It just it boggled my mind the whole way through. It was just crazy. Um, well, should, but, let's just explain what this, this story is first, because... Um, sorry, yeah, you were going to do that, weren't you? We, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, though, because that's... that's the, the point that you've made about um, the little yellow box with just a padlock on it and no one guarding it, that's a little device, isn't it, that can reset the robot police force which have been created by Dev Patel for Sigourney Weaver's corporation who supply them to to the police, obviously. And um, he's, Dev Patel's also created an artificial intelligence which he then uses this little device, which he steals really quite easily for some reason, steals it, um, inserts it into a robot, one of these robot police that's been written off, he's going to the scrap pile, and... Um, oh, no, it, and you make, you make it sound like that was easy. He had to sit there all night and, and create that artificial, intelli artificial intelligence, and yeah. he got to about 97%. And it was really difficult. He just couldn't do it. And then he had a Red Bull, and then he sorted it out. It yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, I can only assume that's the sort of reference to, what's his name, Hugh Jackman in Swordfish. I've got to assume that's the only reason that he was uh, cracking those codes so diligently yeah, yeah. in the last 3%. Because that's exactly the same sort of montage that Hugh Jackman did in that awful, awful film. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I thought as a film... Anyway, so no, I'll go back, I'll go back, I'll go back, I'll explain the plot. So then he creates this artificial intelligence after sipping his Red Bull, and um, he puts it into this robot, and it's stolen by the Antwoord, and because it's a brand new thing, it's been brought to life from, from nothing, it comes from nothing to being suddenly conscious. Um, it's very naive, it's basically got the mind of a child or a baby, and it has to be nurtured and educated which is left to the hands of these two well three there's three of them because um there's another guy called america who's part of their their trio uh back, played by jose pablo pablo contillo if i can remember correctly um and they raise him and they want to use him to commit a heist to get some money to pay off a gangster played by brandon arrett who is Speaking English, but constantly subtitled throughout, which admittedly annoyed me slightly to begin with. Um, 
But then uh, it quickly transpired that due to his really thick Afrikaans accent, the subtitles were quite helpful because I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Um, I don't know if anyone else had that problem yeah, either. It's the same, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got annoyed with the subtitles. Well, I, I can understand everything you're saying. Why am I... Re- Literally, I, I, for a second, I wanted to double-check to make sure I hadn't walked into the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, and then it was quite clear that actually... And yeah, about, about the halfway it. mark, I really needed it. <laughs> yeah. The problem was, when I really needed it, I'd stop looking at them. Uh, what the fuck did you <laughs> just say? Oh, bollocks, that's what that's for. Mm. Okay. To be honest, it doesn't really have an awful lot of important dialogue. No, no, he doesn't. 20 million! 20 million, and then it changes to whatever he wants next after yeah. that. 20 million um, and your robot. Oh, okay. And your robot. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's his entire motivation. Just because he's a big king of the criminal underworld or whatever. Well, it's um, important enough to need subtitles, you know. 20 million and your robot and a bag of skittles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but, yeah. No, so this is the robot, Chappie, um, as he eventually gets called by Yolandi. Um, so, you know, the, we've talked about on the podcast previously, me and Steve have talked about the development of AI in films in general. Do you, do you guys, Booker, Jack, do you think that Chappie has in any way done something original with AI that it's, that's never been done before? Um, no. I've not, I've not no. seen Chappie, but from what I've seen, I don't think it's done anything, anything new with it. No. It's just it's just basically like E.T. or something like that, but with gangsters. That's yeah. I don't think it's doing anything new. Nothing that's been done in the last 30 years has been... Isn't yeah, it it's essentially... Just, I mean, I, I loved Chappie, but isn't it essentially just short circuit in South Africa? I suppose it is. <laughs> yeah, sort of short circuit or E.T., as you say, but with explosions um, and a Robocop bad guy villain thing. Um, piloted by Hugh Jackman, who's an, an ex-soldier, and actually gets to use his real accent for a change. You know, one's making him speak in, in American. Well, the problem it's, is it just, it just sounds like a comedy Australian accent when he does it. It was so bad. He keeps, he keeps throwing in these little Australian idioms and stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> they don't, don't really work because it seems like he's trying to show that he's Australian. Yep. Rather than South African to perhaps an American audience who might not have understood. Am I the only person that doesn't know who these two rappers are? Seriously. I only know who they are because they were on um, Adam Buxton's book. I have absolutely no idea who they were, and I lost my shit when I saw the credits. That, that twat's name is really Ninja. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and Yolandi Visser, her surname is spelt with two uh, dollar signs instead of S's. Oh. <laughs> fucking people. <laughs> I, yeah. d- I couldn't believe it. And, but what, what was stupid was like, I came, I, I went to work on Monday and started talking to people. Like, I went, oh, yeah, I don't know what, Diane Twerp, whatever their fucking name is. <laughs> the Belgian cousins of... Yeah. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't what the fuck, it, how do you know these people? I, I'm just very old, clearly. And <laughs> I'm, I'm not down with the kids the way everybody else is, obviously. <laughs> oh, what the fuck are these people <laughs> I don't think you're that old because in all of the advertising stuff for this film, it was all Hugh Jackman and Dev Patel, and Diane Wood weren't really mentioned. So, I don't think it's just you. But the film was mainly written for those two, wasn't it? Oh, it is. So, it's like it's like Diane Wood the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
Uh, there's was, no reason for Hugh Jackman to be anywhere near this film, to be honest. Unnecessary, completely unnecessary. Just, you've already got a villain in the the guy with the subtitles, whatever his name was. So yeah. I, I just I can't believe they they wasted Hugh Jackman's time on this. To be yeah, honest, I, I think him and Sigourney Weaver owe someone big. Yeah, yeah. So someone's called in a favour and gone. Yeah, you two are going to be in it. Actually, no, he's gone. Fox have gone right. We're going to get. We're going to give Blomkamp an Alien. If you want in, you best be in this piece of shit. Well, I don't think that was a deal breaker for Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> she was probably already going to be in it before Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, did, I take your point because Hugh Jackman's. It's not just his. His performance isn't bad. He just has really crap dialogue to work with and a, a character with that's pointless. That is absolutely pointless. There's, there's no motivation for him at all. No, there isn't. Although it's hinted at, there's certain things about his religious beliefs and that he possibly doesn't believe in um, artificial intelligence and mainly due to his really strongly held religious um, beliefs. But then it's not developed at all and it's not turned into a motivation for him to to hate artificial intelligence or to have this grudge with... um, uh, with Dev Patel's character, aside from the fact Dev Patel's getting all of his funding, that's it. And that, yeah, that's it. He he's jealous of Dev Patel's funding, so he decides to destroy the entire city. Yeah, like mate, have a word with yourself. <laughs> and that's that's the whole film in a nutshell. It's it's there's all these ideas sort of brought together, and yeah, like his his religious background, and they're just dropped and they're never yeah. developed anymore. There's about forty different films in this. And, and not one great film. No. But here's the thing, though, right? I know it, it is dumb. And I know there are things in it that just really have got no excuse for being as bad as they are. But I still really enjoyed it. I yeah, found it same. really entertaining. Oh, and I loved I, it. I thought it was partly to do with Charlotte Coppi's performance as Chappie, because his comic timing was absolutely bang on. Some of the lines he had just left me in stitches. Oh it. yeah! Every, every time he, he what's say he fucks it up, he says "fuck a mother." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little stuff like that. Or when he's jacking cars, and it's just I, w- I was laughing so much through that film, and that was one of the things I wasn't expecting to do. I wasn't expecting it to be funny, and it, it genuinely made me laugh quite a lot. Okay, I think that and that draws to a close our review of Chappie. Um, just left now is our recommendations for the week ahead i'm going for uh friday night on um on film four at 10 to 11 is cloverfield one of the kind of earlier found footage films and still a very well still a very good one one of the better ones considering there's so much dribble coming out in the found footage genre uh owen I'm cheating because I've got two that I'm going to pick because I couldn't decide between them, so fuck it. Why not? It's my podcast. I'll do what I like. It's our, um, po- it's our podcast. Uh, yeah, sorry, Steve. Our podcast. Yeah, get it's it right. Podcast. It's my it's podcast. Not, it's not James anymore. It's, no. it's, it's ours. Yeah, it's ours. <clears throat> Mine. It's ours. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's ours. So I'm going to... The first one, BBC4 on Sunday at 10pm, um, is The Untouchables which is a sort of French comedy drama about a quadriplegic, and it is 
really good, really funny, um, well worth a watch. But my other film that I'm picking um, is on film four on Sunday evening slash Monday morning, you know, 25 past one in the morning. Um, spring, summer, autumn, winter and spring. So it's a film, a Korean film by Kim Ki Duk, which is one of his best. He's an art house Korean director. Um, but honestly, just it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So if you if you've got any interest in seeing a Korean film that's not just a typical revenge thriller, then start with that. Okay. And Andrew. Well, I I reckon everyone can do like a double bill with your one, Steve. Mine's Friday night nine o'clock on Film Four is Lockout, that ultra stupid sci-fi movie (laughs) with uh, Guy Pearce. Is that, the pri- that, is that the prison in space one? It is. It, yeah. it, I love it. It's so fucking dumb. <laughs> but it's so much fun to watch. And Jack? Um, if I'd seen that The Untouchables um, was on, then I, that probably would have been my pick as well. I absolutely adore that film. It's one of the funniest films in the, in the last few years. Um, but I had already picked um, Harold and Maud on UK Netflix. Uh, it's just one of those films that everyone should have seen. So if you haven't, you really should. It's very, I, I hate these two words, but it's very quirky and offbeat. Um, and it's, it's American, but it's a very, very British film. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it's, I, 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 it just seems so British. Uh, very dark humour. So um, yeah, well worth a watch. If um, It's only about, I think it's 90 minutes dead on as well. So not a long one. Okay. Uh, so that really is it for this week's podcast then. Um, Owen, what have we got lined up for next week? Um, I really should have checked that out before we started recording, shouldn't I? I, yes. I can't remember what's out next week. Anyone got any ideas off the top of the head what films are in the cinema this week? I don't know, but I think it's going to be another hour or so of film and banter from us. You reckon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, guarantee, I guarantee it. Oh, yeah, you lot have got your work cut out for next week. Why? You've got Run All Night comes out. Run All Night? Wow. So, so what's that, like, Taken 5, really? Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like Liam Neeson. I'll see that. I have to admit, I saw the trailer when I went to see Chappie, and I quite... It's got Vincent D'Onofrio, and I'll watch that dude in anything. So, yeah. I would probably watch Run All Night. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so thanks to everyone who's joined us this uh, this week. Uh, thanks to everyone who's contributed to the podcast. Thanks to Jack for agreeing to come on. Why don't you give your podcast one more plug before we go? Yeah, I, I didn't do a very good job of it at the start. Um, <laughs> yeah, as I say, it's a chat show. We've had a few. Well, we've had James from the band Temples on. We've also had Owen on as well, um, discussing the Oscars. So that's at notthisagain.co.uk. Okay. Uh, yeah, excellent. So thanks to everyone who's listened and contributed and join us again this time next week for another Failed Critics podcast. <laughs>